I'm sure you've seen these signs around. Help wanted. There's job openings right now like never before. U.S. employers again posted a record number of job openings. It sounds like something to celebrate. Instead, businesses say they're having trouble filling the jobs. So many companies are turning to a class of people long shunned by society, people convicted of felonies. And a lot of employers are realizing something they would have never really considered before. Those folks can work as honestly and hard as those who have never spent a day in prison. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. Today, we examine one effect the pandemic has had in our shifting labor market. Who's hiring, who's getting hired, and how that's changing the American workplace. We'll hear from LA Times business reporter, Don Lee, who has written about the issue. And we'll also hear from someone who's working to connect formerly incarcerated people with jobs. There's about 20 million people in the United States with felony records and unemployment rates among the formerly incarcerated is especially high, 27% a few years ago per the Prison Policy Initiative. Compare that with the American unemployment rate around that time, which was less than 4%. The stigma of a criminal record has long influenced this reality, but with the great resignation unfolding before us, the situation for these folks seems to be looking up. Don Lee covers the U.S. and global economy out of Washington, D.C., and recently wrote a story about all this. Don, welcome to The Times. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Besides prospective bosses being scared of someone's criminal record, what are some of the other historical factors that have made it so hard for people with felony convictions to get jobs? Well, I think, as you pointed out, there is a stigma, and some employers, maybe many employers, are concerned about both their productivity, but also how they might relate to coworkers and customers if that's part of their job. But there are also other things. You know, there are literally hundreds of restrictions and conditions placed on people who have felony convictions and those, you know, millions who are on parole or probation. You know, you might not be able to get a driver's license. Some jobs are excluded, you know, barbering, beautician services, certain health uh, medical occupations, and you might have a curfew, meaning you can't get graveyard, you know, shift jobs at warehouses and other places that right now desperately need workers. So, I think these are among the uh, restrictions that uh, keep many potential hires who have uh, criminal records from actually getting hired. And of course, as we know, you know, employers use uh, these programs and software to do initial screening and they do background checks. And oftentimes that will be a big obstacle and that'll basically put a halt to their processing applications or applicants getting in for interviews. We're talking about how it's hard for people with criminal records to get jobs, but the public historically hasn't been sympathetic to this. What's happening in today's labor market that makes this an issue that we can no longer ignore? Right now, as we know, the economy is really struggling with labor shortages coming out of the pandemic. There's just been a surge of demand uh, for many products, and we're getting increasing demand for services too. And people have been reluctant to come back in. Health fears, child care, and expanded federal jobless aid may have kept some unemployed Americans from seeking work. A record number of Americans quit their jobs in September. Workers finding themselves with bargaining clout for the first time in decades are becoming choosy about jobs. Empowered workers are quitting to take higher pay being dangled by increasingly desperate employers. 
And then we have a variety of demographic factors, right? Aging of the population and declining births. We've had declining immigration. And so for a variety of reasons, we are having this unusual shortage where we've got roughly 10 million job openings. And that's more job openings than the number of unemployed people. So there's this need. And over the years, what has happened is that during times of tight labor markets, employers have reached out to really hard to employ and these uh, people on the margins of the labor market. And as one expert told me, you know, uh, of all the people who face challenges in the labor market, those with criminal records are at the end of the queue. But now I think employers, are, more of them anyway, are asking, can they really afford to not look at this group? I mean, we're talking about roughly 20 million people. Well, what's been done to try and knock down those barriers to employment for people with criminal convictions? You know, a number of states, maybe about a dozen of them, have passed laws that restrict what's called pre-employment or application identification of their criminal records. So it's known as band-a-box, right, where you're not allowed to ask an applicant in their application whether they have a criminal record or not in California and about a dozen other states. Oh, yeah, that's something that's been promoted by some prominent Democrats in recent years. It is relevant to find out whether somebody has a criminal record. We're not suggesting ignore it. What we are suggesting is when it comes to the application, give folks a chance to get through the door. That way they'll have a chance to be seen as more than just someone who's done time. They'll have a chance to be evaluated on their skills and their work ethic. So at least that gets them past that door. Of course, once you clear that stage and you go in for an interview or for further background checks, then obviously gaps in employment and discussions will reveal that you might have had a criminal history. And jail time, obviously employers are not you know, supposed to discriminate outright, but we know it's happening. In your time covering business, have you ever seen employers be as open to hiring such people as right now? I have not. I mean, I've been covering the economy more or less for the last 30 years. And, you know, in the late 1990s, when we had a very uh, tight labor market, employers were hiring or more prone to hire people on the margins, including those with criminal records. And then uh, right before the pandemic, too, we had very low unemployment, you know, 3.5%. America is working. And not only is America working, America is getting paid. It's a 50-year low, and employers also were beginning to uh, look at this group. But I think right now, because of some changes in laws, because of more attention paid, and because of the dire need, I do think you have more employers that are looking and willing to give it a try. We'll have more after this break. Don, so you went out and reported this story and you talked to employers and workers who were convicted of felonies. What did they tell you about their experiences? I think a number of workers whom I talk with, they want to work first of all, and they realize that there are a number of restrictions on them. One worker I talked to from Long Beach, you know, he said because of his uh, particular criminal offense, uh, one of the conditions of his parole release was that he couldn't work or congregate within 300 feet 
of a dispensary. He also had a 10 p.m. curfew. Others, they might have committed something related to financial crimes, but then they were excluded from, say, warehouse work or truck driving, which aren't really related. So there are these barriers. Some have made connections with halfway houses that have relationships with companies like U.S. Rubber, Thermovac, uh, and then organizations like Crystalis in Los Angeles that works with the homeless and uh, hard to employ. They are matching employers uh, with employees. And many of the workers, you know, I'm told by employers that on a skill level, they're just as good as other co-workers who don't have criminal records. But where there is some difficulty is that their turnover is higher. You know, obviously an employer cannot watch what em- or help an employee in their off time, right? What they do in their off time, who they meet, how they socialize, where they go. And some will fall into old habits or old friends. What's interesting to me, Don, is some employers, yeah, they can't tell their employees what to do outside of their jobs, but they offer resources at work, free counseling, on-site Alcoholics Anonymous meetings or similar sobriety groups, things that help with stability. So hopefully more employees keep working there longer and also have better lives. Absolutely. Uh, some of these companies and leaders of the companies, Thermovac in Orange, the founder uh, had some very personal reasons for being more open to people with addictions and felony records. And so that company actually uses its site to host alcohol uh, anonymous meetings and then it invites and welcomes parole officers to come, which some companies I think would be very reluctant to do. And so they make an effort to really reach out to this group because it can be a win-win, clearly for the worker, but also for the company. And in these days when you need workers and, you know, the supply is not as plentiful, it gives them a leg up. Finally, Don, do you see this trend continuing? Are we at a point where you're going to see a societal shift in that perspective? Well, I think that's the $64,000 question, right? Will it last? Because in past business cycles, when the economy falters and unemployment starts to rise, these uh, more marginal workers are almost always the first to go. You know, last in, First out, will it be different this time? Because as I mentioned, you know, we still have a lot of laws, restrictions, and a couple of countervailing forces here that I should mention. One is that this group, people with criminal records, felony records, they tend to have less education, fewer skills. So that works against them. And, you know, how society is open to them, you know, we've had a declining criminal rates and problems, but in the last year, we had a surge uh, again in violent crime. From Baltimore to Los Angeles, homicides and shootings are up from the same time last year. If people start to feel less comfortable about bringing former prisoners or people with records into the workforce and integrating them, it could be a little bit more difficult. So I think there are a variety of factors, but I don't see you know, wholesale change uh, and anything, you know, immediate. It will take time. Don, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. After the break, we'll speak with a formerly incarcerated person who now helps to connect companies with people like him.
Harley Blakeman is the founder and CEO of Honest Jobs. It's a company dedicated to, quote, helping people impacted by the criminal justice system find gainful employment fast. Harley, welcome to The Times. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to talk with you. You started Honest Jobs because you yourself were once incarcerated and had trouble finding employment when you were released. What was your experience like back then? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I was a homeless teenager that was struggling with drug addiction when I got arrested and sentenced to prison. I came home from prison in 2012 with a prison GED, but essentially no skills or real experience. So for me, I washed dishes and cooked at restaurants while I put myself through community college, transferred to Ohio State University, and actually ended up graduating top of my class with honors really had great prospects. I thought I was going to land an amazing job, had great references, letters of recommendations, all of those things. But my senior year, I was rejected over 75 times for jobs that I was qualified for. I was exactly what they were looking for otherwise, but I was being rejected. And although I graduated unemployed, I had a ton of privilege and advantage along the way. Most people aren't white men with educations and support systems. So that's what really motivated me and inspired me to try and solve this problem myself. So what are employers worried about when it comes to hiring people who are once incarcerated? You know, the number one thing is what do my employees and my customers think? What's the risk? And the risk can be broken down into a couple things. It can be legal risk, like could we be exposed to a lawsuit? The risk to our brand, right? You think about uh, a billion-dollar brand. What could happen if one of our employees did something crazy and it came back on us? There's also just the traditional stigma of like once a thief, always a thief. You know, someone did something five years ago. I don't want them to do that again. But we all know people who deserved a second chance. Honest Jobs hires people that, as you say, have been impacted by this country's criminal justice system. How have you navigated any restrictions that the people you work with might have? I know you once had someone who applied for a job that involved finance, but they couldn't get that job because they had been convicted of fraud charges in the past. Yeah, exactly. We had an executive assistant position that we were recruiting for, and I had a great candidate, awesome candidate for the position. But when we got to talking about what her record was, we quickly realized there is a conflict here. And that doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean you can't hire them. It doesn't mean that they won't be a great employee. I did hire her. I offered her a job as a recruiter, and she's been an amazing employee. Like, hands down, one of the best hires I've ever made. Super loyal. And that's what a lot of employers are missing out on when they just say, no, we can't hire you. There's a broad spectrum of people that have a criminal record in this country. You're not sacrificing quality by considering these people fairly. The paradigm shift is instead of looking for a way to weed someone out saying, how can I hire this person? I really enjoyed the interview. Their resume was good. What can I do to hire this person rather than, oh, because of the background, I can't hire them. Asking yourself that simple question before you reject them is, can I hire them? Because oftentimes they're going to be talented. They're going to be loyal, but also Just statistically speaking, they're going to be diverse. And so many companies are struggling to find diverse talent as well. So that's definitely a benefit of having this mindset when you're recruiting. And we're having this discussion as this country still goes through a racial and socioeconomic reckoning. After the George Floyd protests from last year, employers across the U.S. promised to do better when it came to hiring people of diverse backgrounds. And the reality is because of America's criminal justice system, a lot of folks with prior convictions are people of color. America 
for the majority, very unjustly over-policed people of color in our history, so much so that one in three black men would spend their uh, some point in their life in prison, whereas only uh, one in 17 white men would. So for employers that want to work with this population, and they should, they're going to have to look a little deeper than just saying, hey, please come apply, please come work for us. They've got to look at what comes with that. Somebody has to fix what the wrong was, and the wrong was the young black man applying for this job that has a violent felony. Well, that scares you, but we have to figure out how do we get past that? We've got to be able to say, we're going to give people a fair chance. We're going to give them a second chance. When the protests were happening, we saw all the DE&I budgets going up, companies allocating millions of dollars to these initiatives. I knew immediately it's not going to work exactly the way they want because one in three of those people are going to have a felony. (laughs) So they're going to spend a lot of money and they're still not going to be prepared to actually have them come into the workforce. Accepting people of color with records is going to be more important to the long-term success of people of color in our country than any social media post, any budget allocation. You've got to be able to give them a second chance. Nevertheless, discriminatory hiring practice remained the norm, the stigma, as you said. But how have you seen employers change that perspective when it comes to formerly incarcerated people, if at all? Yeah, so one of the trends we're seeing that especially larger companies are doing is they're actually removing the hiring managers from the background check completely. So what they'll do is say someone applied, the hiring managers interviewed candidates, and they told us, this is the person I want to hire. Well, the background check happens and the legal team receives the background check. And they have maybe one person in HR work with legal to review the background check, but that HR person is completely disconnected from the daily work that the person will be doing. So what you're doing is a hiring manager who's going to work with you every day is going to have strong bias. Whereas someone who's focused on equity and inclusion, they're only thinking about the real risk to the business. So what happens is these larger companies are able to accept more because there's not that that close human bias of like, I'm going to work with this person every day. I don't want to have a felon in my warehouse or whatever. Corporate, the legal team or an HR professional who's not so close to the, the operation every day can make more of a unbiased, bigger picture decision. And it's not like all these job applicants were released from prison in the last year. In some cases, it's been five years ago, 10 years ago. Absolutely. I mean, we talked to someone day before yesterday who said their conviction was 16 years ago and they got denied a job because of it. So, you know, it's just employers, it's highly valuable for you to take the time to learn a little bit. Like, I'm not saying you have to hire everyone with a record, but spend some time digging into this stuff and learn about it because you'll be surprised at how much talent's out there that if you look back at the people you rejected because of background checks, you'll see there was a lot of missed opportunities because you rejected them. And oftentimes there's not a human making that decision. It's like a it's like a blanket policy. Failed, 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 and they're out. Where if a human eye was really looking at that, you, you passed over a lot of gems in the process, I'm sure of it. Harley, thank you so much for this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, we look at the life and legacy of Jacqueline Avant. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, and Melissa Kaplan. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editor is Lauren Rabb. Our executive producers are Jasmine Aguilera and Shani Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Epen. 
like what you're listening to, then make sure to follow the times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Puchia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and this mother. Gracias.